Well, would you open your Bibles this morning? Um, get ready. This is going to be a three-section open your Bibles to uh, message. So would you open your Bibles? Hopefully you've got your notes there. Uh, first to Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Ephesians 4, 12 through 16. And 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. I mentioned this last week. If you're, if you're a first-time guest this, this morning, we're so glad you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And um, it's our practice that we, we typically um, teach and preach expositorily, meaning that we pray about what book of the Bible that the Lord would want us to bring and, and, and bless the church with and equip the church with. Um, and then start in chapter 1, verse 1, and then just take it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, until we're done. Uh, we're doing a mini-series on the church, and it's called Build. And um, so in this case, we're, we'll, I'll do a little exposition today, but there's also going to be a kind of a broader swath of teaching today. Uh, so it's a little bit different from how we normally do this. Um, we decided to do this series because our elders were burdened just about the times we're living in and, um, and our concern that the church is, is being increasingly marginalized by not only the fallen world around us, but y'all, we're, we're concerned that the church is being marginalized by even professing believers. Um, people who maybe don't seem to yet prioritize God's purpose for the church, God's plan for the church. People who don't have seemed to actually uh, embraced as a core value the mission and ministry of the local church. I was so encouraged by your feedback from last Sunday. Last Sunday we started the series and I just want to highlight a couple of things that we received back because I think it's just great um, a great example maybe that can encourage you, particularly parents. So <clears throat> husband and wife called and let me know that the sermon last week opened up huge doors of conversation with their kids. And what they began to talk to their kids about, you know, I really encourage parents, if, you're not, if you haven't shared your testimony of salvation with your kids, please do so. Oh my goodness. They need to hear that you just didn't come out of the womb Christian, you know? Uh, they need to hear about the, the depravity of their daddy, you know. Now, moms may be a little less depraved than dads, but um, especially on Mother's Day. Um, they need to hear that. But this family shared the testimony with their children of how important the church has been to them as Christians. And they started with their salvation. Then they started, then they talked about just life between salvation and then their marriage. And then life as a married couple. And then life as parents. And just talking about what the church has meant. And one of the, one of the points was that um, the mom had expressed that there was a season of her life when she really struggled to have assurance of her salvation. And she really just wanted to better understand the gospel and that she came to our church leaders and the church leaders just prayed with her and walked with her through the scriptures and, and how God met her in his word and how the Lord just gave him assurance, not because of the words of men, but because of the word of God about the great salvation that she had received by grace alone through faith alone. 
And so as she's talking about that and how she needed the church so much and how she was so glad they were there, one of, one of the kids said, you know, Dad, Mom, you know, sometimes I, I don't know if I'm saved. Do you think the church leaders would talk to me? <laughs> oh my gosh, what do you think? Of course, of course. And how great that in that, that, that beautiful thing between the, the primary responsibility of parents and the complementary responsibility of the church to grow disciples in Jesus. And so it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. They talked about moments of when they had struggles in their marriage and they presented those struggles to local church members as well as church leaders and how God met them in those struggles and how God has taken them further in, uh, in a, a marriage that represents the gospel. So great, isn't it? Another parent came up and, you know, we've, you know, we live in a world where everyone has different work schedules and, and especially in Midland with the oil field, um, so often a dad will be called away to have to, to work on a Sunday and, and it, it's up to mom to get the kids here. Um, and one of the moms came up last week who sometimes has to, has to get the kids here while her husband's working. And she said, thank you for helping me see a biblical vision for the church and why it's so important to get the kids to be here with me to worship the Lord. It was just, and I told her, I said, you know, and this is precious families, every parent, not just moms that have to sometimes walk that path. You're preaching a sermon every Sunday that you get your family to church, to a gospel-centered church where God's word is gonna be proclaimed in fact, I think sometimes that that sermon that you're preaching about your prioritizing and valuing the local church, I think it's as important a sermon as what you receive from the pulpit. Uh, we're not minimizing this, but that's a huge sermon, isn't it? That your kids could grow up to see dad and mom prioritizing what is so very dear to God's heart, so dear that Jesus shed his own blood for the church. So, that's where we're going to go more this morning. Last week, our lesson was, what is the church and why it matters? And we, and we did a, an overview of Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. This morning, we're going to look at what is church membership and why it matters. And so, let's start with the reading of Ephesians 2, uh, 19 through 22. This is just a review of a portion of last week. And the word of the Lord speaks to us and says, in verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And you notice the words I'm accentuating, I hope. In, let's go to chapter 4, and beginning in verse 12. Chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. So he's, he's coming out of talking about how God how the resurrected Christ has given gifts to the church. And he describes the, the apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. 
So he talks about the, the, their role in the church and what they're supposed to accomplish. And let's pick up in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And then would you go back a couple of books to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. beginning in verse 12, and we'll read through verse 27. For just as the body is... Oh, and by the way, so here's an exercise. Hey, kids, kids, come on. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do something. Would you write down how many times that the verses we're going to read right now either use the word part, okay? Are you with me? Part, and big kids can do this too. If you want. Okay, because there's a real point behind it. How many times this passage uses the word part, body, or member? Any of those three words, write down the total number of times you see that in the text. Okay, here we go. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in one body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Not to mention, how gross would that be? I mean, just like, I mean I've told you before, that's Mike Wazowski in, in uh, Monsters, Inc. Yuck, if the whole, yuck. <laughs> okay, back to the word. So verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. 
nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there should be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Can you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, uh, would you just once again speak to our hearts through your authoritative, sufficient, inerrant, perfect word. We don't want to be the same, Lord. We want to love what Jesus loves, Lord. Would you open our eyes afresh to how much Jesus loves the church? And would you grow our heart for loving the church and engaging with the church as an instrument of grace for it to grow in maturity and mission until you come again? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, we tend to be pretty independent people, regardless of what's going on in the culture we're living in. We just, I don't know if that's what sin kind of did to us and kind of driving us apart from each other. And we're living in a culture of pretty radical individualism. And it's so weird, you guys, isn't it funny that in this culture of radical individualism, that radical individualism often disguises itself in feeling connected in being connected, or maybe disguises, maybe it's self-deception, I don't know, maybe it's another, maybe there's some sort of satanic deception in it. And it, it disguises itself in feeling connected through things like social media. Oh no, I'm really connected. <laughs> I'm really connected, yet if we really were honest with each other, you find yourself dying on the inside. Because relationships built upon virtual reality are in reality not really relationships at all, are they? We tend to have a high regard to being self-made, self-reliant, and self-sufficient. The thought of mutual commitment and accountability to one specific church in the world we're living in can seem increasingly odd, and maybe for some people even frightening. Many are skeptical of the church, there are a good number of people who experienced hurt in the church in the past, and so they tend to be pretty guarded. Understand that. We live at a time when it seems that most people are skeptical and distrusting of many, if not most, institutions today. There's all kinds of scandal. There's all kinds of corruption. There's all kinds of abuse. This is weird. Which actually makes us feel oddly safe in our independence. But that's not a good thing. 
As such, many look for a church like they do their shopping, always looking for the better deal. Can I tell you, if, that is, is, if there's any of that tendency in you, can I tell you what's going to happen? Your heart is going to grow more and more critical about the church. It's not going to serve you well to try to find a church that best fits your needs because you're always evaluating, always looking for the better deal, which just always leads to criticism. Please be careful about that. Sadly, this mentality, um, it, just, it just does not serve you because the church does fall short of people's expectations, especially when they're man-made expectations. Some may not seek membership in a church because they're new in the faith and they don't know that they should. Have you ever talked to somebody, though, that actually people that don't seek church membership because they, they think they're mature? <laughs> that happens in Midland a lot. People who say, I already know my Bible. I really don't need an organization. I don't need the church. Whew. That scares me. That kind of pride comes before a fall. They don't believe they need a local church to help them grow as followers of Christ. Others have said, <laughs> you heard this, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. Yeah. Maybe you need to look at the nail scars on Jesus. Maybe you need to remember the high price he paid to show his love for the dearest, the dearest church. So dear to his heart. When you think of the topic of church membership, I want to ask you, what first comes to your mind? So in everything that we've just said, if we're going to talk now, we're going to, we're going to transition, let's talk about church membership. What, what first comes to your mind? Let me ask you this. Is maturity one of the first things that come to mind when you think of membership in a local church? If not, welcome. Because I think for far too few of us, godly, Christ-like maturity is way down the list of why we think we should participate in a local church. And yet, biblically, as I hope you'll see this morning, I think it really is at the top of the list for why God would have us practically connected in membership in local churches. So would you keep that in your mind as we go through the, the study this morning? Is maturity as a Christian what you're thinking of and why you value the local church? The Bible's filled with many reasons why church membership matters, but I think the most important is to give us grace to grow in Christ-like maturity, which also means then Christ-like mission. And grace to help others grow in Christ-like maturity. So it's not just a receiving thing, it's both receiving and giving. So here's our main point, and I think it's hopefully pretty simple and memorable. To meaningfully mature in Christ, a believer must be meaningfully connected to Christ's church. Now does the word back that up? I, I'm, I hope I've derived it from the scriptures themselves. So let's dive in. Last week, we, the first point is just really a review. 
and its membership and the church universal. So remember, God's eternal purpose from before the foundations of the world was to redeem a people for himself. And despite man's rebellion, thank God for his mercy, God in his love and grace had an eternal purpose to provide a way of salvation so that people could be redeemed and rescued and brought back into a right relationship. Not only, remember, not only with God himself, but also with the people of God, a right relationship with the people of God as well as God himself. And he accomplished that plan through Christ his son and his sacrificial death on the cross as the final and full payment for the punishment that our sins deserve. And that opens wide the door of being completely forgiven and counted righteous in the righteousness of Christ. So when a person turns away from their life of sin and turns in faith to Jesus, uh, to trust Jesus and what he's done for them, at that point, we're not only brought into a saving relationship with God, but we're also brought into a sanctifying relationship with each other. That's part of the plan from before the foundations of the world. The Bible's word for the people that God has chosen from before the foundations of the world is the church. That's the word. The universal church is the people from all time and all places that are gathered together by God's saving grace and their faith in Christ. That's what we studied last week in Ephesians 1 and 2. But so, the, so I want to ask you, is there more to church membership than just being a part of the universal church? And there would be many people who would tell you no. Well, I would argue there is. So let's go from the church universal, membership in the church universal, to see if there is indeed something about membership and the local church local. So that's our second point. So the universal church is very real. It's hard to get your, hard to wrap your arms around. But you know, this is one thing when you go on missions trips, you realize, oh my goodness, thank God there, there is a church that is bigger than, broader than just us, right? And, and so when we go to Nepal and you worship with the people of Nepal, you may not understand all of the language, but you feel at home. And there's just this wonderful thing about people who have been rescued and redeemed by Jesus Christ, regardless of their language, regardless of their demographic and economic or education or racial, distinct, ethnic distinctives. Um, but it's just hard kind of sitting here this morning to get our arms around the universal church. It's not just abstract. It's not just an ideal. It's real. But God has designed church membership to be more than just being included in the universal church. God also has given Christians a heart to love the church the way Christ loves the church, which is going to result in very concrete, objective, relational, and missional ways. Those are all dimensions of what it means to love the church. And this is where the church is local, not just universal. To do that, God establishes local congregations, and they're, they're, they're visible expressions of the universal church. How do you know? See, that's, I mean, how do you know you're part of the universal church if there's not, not the heart of Christ? I loved it. one of the songs that we sang today, Lord, give us your heart. 
and then lead us to love those around us. I mean, there, there's, there's, I, I would be concerned if you didn't have a heart for the local church, but confess that you were part of the universal church, and yet there was nothing in you that yearned to love the people Jesus bled and died for. That would be a huge concern for me. God establishes visible expressions of the universal church. And if you're not led to become part of the local expression of the universal church in a local church, do you know the Lord who bled and died for the church? The word for church, this is in your notes, is ecclesia, which means the gathering together of believers. Believers that God has called out to be his people through the saving work of Jesus. There are about 114 uses of this word, and at least 90 times the word refers to a specific gathering of believers at a specific place. Just one example of these, of these many is, is 1 Corinthians 1, and 2, 1 verse 2. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together, and then, so here's, here's, there's a local expression of the church with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. If you were to look up each place that the word church was used, you would begin seeing that in most instances, it is referring to distinct, definitive, local gatherings of people People belonged to these local gatherings in very tangible and practical ways. And guys, there's countless ways that membership is taught in the scriptures. I mean, think, I mean, just, these are just some things. We won't, get, we won't go long into this because there's a lot to cover. But I mean, just the fact that, that, you're, that the church would recognize the widows among them. That means there has to be recognized relationships and who they're accountable to. When the, when the, when the, uh, in Acts chapter 6, when there needed to be a way for the, the leaders of the church, the apostles at that time, and then we would translate that more into what elders do today. But remember, they needed to be set apart for, to be focused on prayer and, and the word, right? And so there, but there needed, the, the church has a lot of needs. And so here we go, what we think we could say was maybe the first hint of there being deacons in the church. But remember, the church was asked to choose amongst yourselves seven men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and dignity and lovers of scripture, right? And so you, you, you guys, we, we just tend to look at scripture very through the, through the lens of individualism. But there was no, there just was not this, this individualism that we tend to live in in the way that they lived. They knew you, you have to have regular contact with people so that you could say, I think Horatio would be a great deacon, or in this case, Stephen, right? So, you know, in our context, maybe it's Horatio, but in that context, Stephen was one of them. You know, so there was just, there's this countless expressions of things like that. And we'll touch on a few more as we go. So let's highlight for a second the word belong to a church. Should, is that even biblical? Should we, is there some belonging to a church? Well, Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would experience a unity that has, is con, that our, in, in our common experience of belonging to Jesus and our common need to belong to one another in the church. That's what he was doing when he prayed 
Father, may they be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. So that, this is important, so that the world might believe that you sent me. There's a common experience with Jesus that we share and a common response of belonging to one another in Jesus for the mission that he's given us to make disciples locally and globally. And there's supposed to be something amazing about the church. I mean, we're praying. We, we talked to, to the youth on Friday night, the youth ministry. We talked to the youth ministry. Would you guys be praying that God would bring into our church family through salvation and, and, and just God's providence could our church look more and more like heaven? Could our church family look more and more of multiple ethnicities in our churches, multiple differences in education, multiple differences in age? May, may the older saints and the newborn, may, may we all find our place in the local church. And, 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 and here's what happens when, the, when, when God's love and word is being preached and God's spirit is moving and shaping and molding and making us. The world looks at that and says, how in the world are you all in unity having all of these differences? You know what? Because the world needs to see that Jesus has come. Jesus is the only answer to that question. And God wants to show the world Christ has come. And how does he show it? Through the way the church members love one another. So in your notes, we've got this little ditty. Christ wants us to not only belong to him relationally and missionally. Christ wants us to belong to one another relationally and missionally in a church. Just one last thought on belonging. Isn't belonging one of the most precious things, one of the most precious experiences of being a human being? I mean, you know what it feels like not to belong. And how isolated and lonely and how you, it's hard to evaluate things clearly. And you wonder what people are thinking about you and you're thinking all these things about them. But it's something when, when you've found your people. <laughs> it's something when you've, you've come into a place where grace is the theme of the day. Where the blood of Jesus is why we rally around and what he's done for us in us and what he wants to do through us. Oh my goodness, there's this wonderful thing about belonging. And I think God intended us to experience that in local church membership. Belonging to Him and belonging to each other. The Bible just leaves no wiggle room when it comes to a churchless Christianity or a just Jesus and me lifestyle. It's just not in Scripture. That brings us to our third point. Membership in the church internal. So you're going to go, you really, you really were reaching for this one, right? I sort of was. but So membership in the church universal, membership in the church local. So here's where I'm going internal. Actually, hopefully you kind of, maybe you see it already. I'll never forget, Alan, Alan gets me out of my comfort zone. And uh, so he's helped me with that in missions. And, uh, you know, the reason I go to Nepal regularly is certainly the Great Commission. But it's God using Alan's heart for mission that so affects me as well. And Alan got me out to, I, I had, you know, we went to Fort Davis for a prayer and planning retreat. And Alan took me to the, the uh, McDonald, is that right? McDonald Observatory. Have you ever been? 
you haven't been, you got, have, you guys, have you girls been? Did you see, there was a movie they show before you go out and start looking at all the stars and everything. I don't know if they still do it. But it was this, this thing that, that uh, would take you from, from Earth, you'd go up into space and all of the wonder of space. But then, so here's where we're going to go internal. So then it would go from space, you know, and you could see the world, and then it would get a little closer, and you could see the United States, and let's say for the sake of illustration, you'd get a little closer, you'd see the state of Texas, you'd get a little closer, you'd see the city of Midland, and then you'd get a little closer, you see people playing in a park. But it wouldn't start, stop there. It went internal. That's what I'm, I'm sorry, guys, maybe it's a stretch, but... But then it goes inside the human body to not just look at the wonders of creation in its largeness, but the wonders of creation in its smallness. And, and it really talks about how things function on the inside. So do you see why I said it? Will you forgive me and, and just kind of accept that internal thing? Um, so that's where we're going here. I think the Lord, that's what the Lord does with church membership. It's, and, and I, listen, precious ones, as silly as I might be about using the word internal, I think it's really important because I think a lot of people are missing out on what church membership is because they haven't gone inside of it. So let's go inside of it right now. So um, some sub points here. When, when believers are meaningfully connected to one another in church membership, they grow in meaningful maturity. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, we read that this morning. And so I hope you were listening for the ways church members are connected. He, the, 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 uh, Paul in Ephesians 1 and 2, the Holy Spirit is, is gradually, it's like, almost like a funnel. He's, he's speaking of the church universal, but the, it starts to funnel down to the church local. And you start to see that when he first to the church as a temple or a building. Well, what building worth its salt is going to be able to do what it's supposed to do if it has missing bricks, disconnected bricks, loose bricks? Every brick has a definite place to be connected to the other bricks and a definite function to perform. What about the household of God that's described there? Family members, that means there's this place that you fit it's a place to be loved, and it's a place to love. It's a place of shared responsibility and accountability. There's a connecting place there. Let's go a little bit deeper, and so I'll do a little bit of exposition in Ephesians 4, 12 through 16. So in, in that passage, look for how believers grow in maturity. And did you notice that it was by being connected to one another in the church? Especially verse 16. Verse 16 says this, and so let's get our eyes back in the book. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It says the whole body. Well, you might say, oh, is that the universal church? No, it's not the universal church. It's the local church. How do we know? Because it's the local church where people are joined and held together by every supporting ligament. And, and that causes us to grow and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Ephesians 2.10, we read it last week. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, you know what, folks? 
Do you realize that a lot of those good works pertain to your role and involvement in the local church? These are the good works that would be done through brothers and sisters in helping each other mature in Christ and in the mission of Christ. You were made for this. I love to say that. I hope you don't get sick of me saying that. Literally, you were made for this. And if you're having an identity crisis, if you're having this thing, it's because likely you are not living for what you were made for. God saves us and he, put, he has prepared good works for us to do. He prepared them before the foundations of the world. And many of those good works were engagement and involvement as members of a local church. Let's go further. These, these, these members are joined and held together by every supporting ligament. What, what is Paul getting at there? Well, he's saying there are points of connection in the local and internal functioning of the church. I mean, can you imagine a husband and wife having a happy marriage, but they never make any connection. They don't have any connection at home. They don't have any connection over the phone. They don't have any connection. Oh, but they're married. Wow. It's going to be a rough marriage, isn't it? There, there's, it's the points of connection where there's actually growth and life. And it's that way in the church. It's the connecting points that God gives grace through. He supplies grace to cause the church to grow in Christ-like maturity and mission. I, I'm not, I don't know anything about home building and all this kind of stuff. Alan and Josh uh, Graves, they're home inspectors. If you need home inspection, you got two wonderful guys there. You know, and as I listen to them talk about home inspecting, you know what I hear them talk about is they're not just looking at the, the house at large, like the universal house, right? <laughs> We're not just looking at the house from street level. They, they go into the house. Why do they go into the house? Because they're looking to see that the right connections are being made. Alan and Joshua, am I getting that right, Josh? Are you guys, yeah, sounds good. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I always can breathe a sigh of relief when it actually made sense uh, because I don't know anything about this. But I'm so, what good is a house if you have all the plumbing parts, but there's no connection? What good is a house if you have all the electrical wiring, but there's no connection? You see, all of us would go, oh yeah, well that, of course, of course. Why don't you say of course, of course about membership in the local church? God says it. God says where the church is connected, there's growth. The body grows and builds itself up in love when the members are connected to one another in ministry and mission. I think you could say God is doing some of his best work in fitting and joining the body together. Those points of connection are where Christ is especially at work, pouring out his grace. I think you could go so far as to say that one of God's favorite places in the local church are where those meaningful connections are being made between his people to promote meaningful maturity. And God is just pouring out rivers of grace upon all that. Okay, so here's the main big statement. This is in your notes. If you are not meaningfully connected in membership to a gospel-centered local church, you are missing out on a primary means of God's grace to help you grow in meaningful maturity in Christ's character and mission. And you're missing out in God using you to be an instrument of his grace 
to help others grow in meaningful maturity too. Are you seeing that? I hope you're seeing that. If you are visiting today, I'm not doing a membership drive. I just, I just I should have said that from the very beginning. This is not like, and if you'll sign up today, you'll get a brand new set of pots and pans, you know. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's not what it's about. But I, ho- I do hope that if you're visiting today, and, and you might go, man, if this is one of the pastors, I'm going to keep looking <laughs> for another church. Um, you know what I hope, though? I hope the word will equip you in what to look for and that you would, would be intent on meaning, being meaningfully connected to a local church as a member. If it's not here, that's, we understand Oh, but may it be somewhere. And I hope you'll seek the Lord about that. A uh, second little sub-point here is church membership says something. It says that I begin, I've been given unique grace from God to share in the responsibility to promote Christ-like maturity in the other members of my local church and to receive grace from them so that I can grow in maturity too. How many times do you think that the how many people do you think in local churches think that the primary means of their maturity in Christ is just a pastor or just a sermon? Those are, those are real, aren't they? Those are, those are gifts to the church. But when you think of the church, do you recognize that, that members want to get one to another, your, your union together is one of the primary ways to mature? Not just your connection to a pastor. Listen, if all you are trying to do is connect with a pastor, boy, that, that river, that, if you kind of see this river flowing, but then it just has to go through one pastor or a couple pastors, it just gets kind of bogged up, doesn't it? Kind of stopped up. And it's just not God's intent. God wants to pour grace through every member and make every member a minister. That's why we read 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 7, we didn't touch on that, but it says to each person is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In Ephesians 4, if you go back a little bit more, it says God has given grace to every member. If you're a Christian here today, God has given you grace to specifically serve the local church. All of you. And it's going to be way different and all these different, and the scripture gives a lot of ways that that grace is given in grace gifts. God has designed every member to fit into the body in a unique way, similar to how the human body has parts that are uniquely designed to fit in with other parts to both give and to receive what's needed for the body to be healthy. So I'm I'm so grateful for 1 Corinthians 12 because it makes my internal word a little bit more understandable. Okay, kids, here's what I got. 34 times in the 16 verses that, I, that we read this morning, I counted how God accentuates that we are members or parts of one body. I don't know what you got. After church, you can come tell me. I'm, I may have missed a few because um, I, I kept getting a different answer every time I counted, which tells you something about my math skills. Um, but What is God doing by all that repetition? I mean, sometimes, listen, when we were reading that, was there a little party that was going, okay, we get it. No, we don't. No, we don't. God repeats it so very often because we need it so very much. I hope you're seeing that. 
Um, It's not just the human body that God says is fearfully and wonderfully made. It's also the body of Christ. The church that is fearfully and wonderfully made. And you were made for this. You might be an eye in the body. You might be an ear in the body. You might be a hand or a foot in the body. God has not given us a Christian life in which we can say we have no need of the body. How can we, how can we think that's anywhere close to biblical? We just read how unbiblical it is. We need the body. There are many ages and ethnicities and education levels and economic levels and gifts in the church. And these differences working together, founded upon the gospel and the inerrant word of God, empowered by the spirit, drenched in grace, causes the church to grow in love and and the display of Jesus to a watching world. That's why this membership thing is so very, very important. It's where the one and others of the New Testament live themselves out. How do, you, how do you love one another if you never connect with anybody? And then, in your, in your own heartache and pain, it's no wonder you're, you, the, the pain gets accentuated because you're not putting yourself in a position where you're receiving the one another's. Oh my goodness, come on, you guys. Let's let the Lord grow us in this way. We rejoice together, we grieve together, we serve together when another part is hurting. Hurting? (laughs) I've been in West Texas 28 years. That's why we say hurting. Yeah. It's just that I'm getting old. That's what it's happening. The imagery of a body reminds us that church is not merely something we attend, is there? Can you, <laughs> guys, I mean, this is borders on ridiculous, but can you imagine the eye never has anything to do with the body, but on Sundays, the eye rolls, right? The eye rolls and tries to just connect, just to watch what's going on. And then the dismissal and the eye rolls back away. That, that's, what, that's what attending church would be like. No, you're not an attender. You're a part of the body and you have a unique role to play. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 describes this accountability among church members. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together. Not neglecting to connect as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And even more as you see the day drawing near. Listen, as important as church leadership is, the primary place of accountability in the local church is allowing and inviting other believers to help you grow in Christ-like maturity and mission and then committing yourself to do the same thing for them. That's why you've gotten your notes today, Church Covenant. That's what, if you would want to join Sovereign Grace Church and become a member of Sovereign Grace Church, for maturity, Christ-like maturity and mission together, um, that we, we would ask you to sign that covenant. Really what it is are relational commitments because you're, we're just saying, if this is gonna be your church family, that means you have responsibilities here. God's given you grace for that. Remember, you were made for this, right? You were made for this. And so you can look at that. If you have any questions, talk to Alan or Hugh or myself. We would love to, to talk with you about that. Last little sub-point is church membership says, I believe that God has also given the local church the gift of eldership, of leadership, 
to help me grow in Christ-like maturity and mission and to correct me when I wander. Ephesians 4 and Hebrews 13, 7 highlight that God has given elders to lead, guide, feed, love, protect, and correct the members of a local church. The Bible indicates that, that the, the office of elder, the role, the calling of elder actually is expressed in three ways, but it's just one man. He's an elder, meaning that there is provenness in his life. There's godly wisdom in his life. It doesn't mean that he, you have to be as old as me to be an elder. A young man could be mature and wise in the Lord. So there's, there's wisdom and provenness. The second word is pastor, shepherd. That, that he feeds and cares and protects and nurtures. And the third word is overseer. That there's strategy involved and oversight and government and organization so that the body has, has a structure for the life of the body to grow upon. And that's, that's the role of eldership in the church. Not, through, not, not all attributes are the same. So, and so you look at Alan and Hugh and I, we're very different guys. Have you come to realize that? We're very, all three of us are very different. And isn't that so good? That's just so good. And if you look at, at the role of elder, um, overseer, and pastor, we each have different strengths. We all have those, but we each have them in differing degrees, right? You know what breaks my heart is from what the guys tell me, that the Lord has given me grace to be able to express care in a unique way. So here's sometimes what we hear. Well, I, the church wasn't caring for me. Really? Can you tell me more? Well, yeah, Pastor Billy never came to see me. Yeah, but didn't Alan go to see me? Yeah. And Hugh? Yeah. And what about the church family? Did so-and-so and so-and-so? I heard they went to see you. Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> we can't do that. The fact that I, I am able to, by God's grace, I don't understand it, to be able to give care, does that mean that you're not receiving gospel care from the others? We can't do that, you guys. Alan is a premier theologian. He's, and he's, he's a strategist. He's missional. He's, there's so many things. Alan is thousands of ways stronger than I am. But does that, so that, does that mean if I try to give you some theology, well... I really didn't get my theology today. Well, why not? Well, because Alan didn't give it to me. How about Hugh? Hugh, spend some time with that brother. He's one of the most faithful men in the gospel that we know. He's wise, that just wise from scripture and experience. So if I try to share some wisdom with you from the scriptures, do you say, well, I, I wish somebody would share wisdom with me. Didn't I share with, wisdom with you? Yeah, but it wasn't Hugh. <laughs> Hugh, did you hear? <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> it wasn't you. It was. It wasn't Hugh. I think that's part of maturing as a church, you guys. Um, all all of the elders are to to have character, character, character. The standard for eldership is way higher than the standard for membership, isn't it? And that's why we're an elder-led church, because if, it, if it, the congregation is, is governing the church, boy, the standard for membership is pretty, it's, 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 are you saved, right? Have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? 
But so oftentimes, there are people that, that become members who are living secret lives of sin. And yet they get a governmental vote in the church, right? That's why, you, that's why there's an accountability. That's why elders have to give an account to God. And we'll get to that here. That's where we'll go here and we'll close with that. We're also growing the, the ministry of deacons. So Steve Avampado is, is really functioning for the last few years as our head deacon. And we're, we're now even now meeting with men who will serve as deacons so that the elders can devote their time to prayer and the ministry of the word and the needs of the church can be met better than ever before. Um, and I would say this, especially with, when you have people like Ravi Zacharias or other people fall or Christian leaders abandon the faith and things. Guys, that's why plurality and leadership is so important. I mean, God forbid if you're coming to this church for some reason because I'm one of the pastors here or Alan is one of the pastors here or Hugh is one of the pastors here. Praise God, if there's some way God uses us to God be the glory, right? But I think what happens is people get so focused and fixated on one leader and then sometimes that one leader that they put a lot of hope and faith and trust in falls. When you, when you understand that leadership in a church is a plurality of character-rich, Christ-like men devoted to sound doctrine and the preaching of the word, your soul is going to be well cared for. Because you're, you're, you're understanding there's a plurality here. And it's also the other part of this. I'm, these are just some add-ons. I'm sorry, but, but I think this is, this is why Christians are so rocked by fallen Christian leaders because they're not seeing really the, the, the eternal plan of God to have a people for himself, that the real value is the, is the local church, the internal church. Thank God for the universal church, but it's, it's that Christians are devoted to the local church. The body of Christ against, the, against which the gates of hell won't stand. You're not, de- you're not devoted to one man. You're thankful for a plurality of elder leadership. And then when you st- when we it still breaks your heart when Christian leaders fall, but it won't shake your faith so much because we're grounded, aren't we, in the ways that God wants us. And all of that is just the importance of church leadership. So when the Bible says, obey your leaders and submit to them, they're keeping watch over your souls, they have to give an account to God. Um, so yeah, you have to ask yourself this. So is Alan and Hugh and I, are we supposed to give an account to God for every Christian in Midland? Go ahead, answer it. No, thank God. I mean, we tremble at giving an account for our little church. Because we so want you to be drenched in God's grace and God's word. So, so, so what's church membership? Well, you see it right there, don't you? Because there's a recognizable group. Scripture says there's a recognizable group that elders know they must give an account for. And so that's why we, we encourage, is this your church family and church home? Become a member and participate in the life of the body. And we'll then also more clearly know who we're to give an account for. I mean, it's sad. You hear, guys, the things that happen, I mean, people who have not been in service for a while, you know, they'll wonder why nobody called. And, but then we start to talk to them and he said, well, you know, your, your habit is not to be in church much. 
And so it's really hard for us to decide, was this your normal habit of missing church or was this a unique reason for missing church? It's it's just something different when, when there is committed people to one another for mission and ministry. So elders are supposed to pay close attention to yourself, to themselves and to the flock. The last part of this is it also in regards in when we stray. Let me ask you, do you want people to come to you when you're straying? If it's habitual, not for every little sin. That's not we we overlook a lot of sins, don't we? But when a sin becomes habitual and unrepentant, is there anywhere in your heart where you go, oh man, I sure want to be a part of a church where the shepherds care about that, where the church people care about that. And I want someone to come and tell me when I'm speaking to my wife in harsh ways and I'm not even realizing it until someone points it out because I've gotten so used to it, it's a blind spot to me. Don't you want there to be people connected to you and leadership committed to you like that? And that's what Matthew 18 is all about. It's, it's one person in the body going to another person to try to rescue him. It's a treasure, it's, you're, you're, it's a treasure expedition. You're wanting to get that treasure restored and reconnected and, 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 and delivered from the habitual sin. But if they don't listen, what do we do? We bring, we bring two We bring another couple of people. Now, is that to embarrass and shame? No. If we ever have to pursue a course of church discipline in your life, we're going to do everything we can to bring people that you know love you. But how does that happen if you're not connected? I mean, when we bring church discipline, it'd be easy for somebody to say, well, I don't even know that guy. Well... That guy tried calling you several times. You never return his call. So there's, we don't shame people in this. This is relational. If we're going to come, we want it to come because of love, right? Speak the truth in love. We want to come for that reason. We're really our treasure hunting. And if it gets to the place where we have to tell it to the church and treat them as a tax collector, doesn't there need to be? So who is the church? <laughs> right? You need to have an identifiable membership of people committed to each other so that they can have a voice in that person's life. You see, so you see, membership is all over the Bible. Also, by treating them like a tax collector, it doesn't mean you treat them like they have cooties. It means that after all of this effort in reaching out to their heart and reaching out to their heart and reaching out to their heart that they're still unrepentant, the likelihood is that they were never born again. And now our, our, our strategy changes. We don't treat them like cooties. We treat them like lost people who need the gospel. That's what Matthew 18 is about. We've excommunicated two people in the history of, since I've been here. And years later, one of them wrote back to thank us for it. That was awesome. So let me ask you this in closing. Eric, I don't think we've got time to sing. I wish we could. I love that last song. Oh, my goodness. Um, Just a very personal question. If everyone treated church membership the way you currently are treating church membership. Because I kind of want to burst your bubble here. 
would the church be better off if everyone were like you? Or would the church be worse off if everyone was like you? We sure want to give you meaningful connections here. And that starts with our new members class where you can learn what we believe, who our leaders are, and our vision for ministry and mission. There's the church covenant, which is your making grace-motivated and spirit-empowered commitments to pursue the maturity, Christ-like maturity and mission of the other members and leaders and, and wanting the same back to you. Small groups, we have a discipleship group. There's just one right now. By September, we're hoping that there'll be three formalized groups, if not more. There's the men's ministry groups. Women's ministry is rebooting right now, uh, but that, that will be coming. Youth ministry is, is amazingly wonderful, and children's ministry is on the horizon as our renovation gets completed. So here's a... This is where I would love to just come off this platform and just talk to you. We have a lot of needs in the church. But have you ever noticed recruiting people to just fill in needs is not the most effective way? I mean, thank God we need to. We need to tell you, we're going to need a lot of children's uh, volunteers, a lot of children's ministry volunteers to cast gospel vision for the next generation and for them to grow up valuing the church and that the, that the church is not just Pastor Billy or Pastor Allen or Pastor Hugh, but that the church is God's presence in the body of Christ. We need, we need lots of people. We need greeters. As people start to serve in children's ministry, guess what? That's going to mean we're, need, we're going to need more greeters. There's, but you know what? I don't want to sit here and just say, uh, you know, I really don't care much about you. I just care about what you can do. I, th- I think people feel that way sometimes in churches. I don't want you to feel that way. I, we don't, we don't want to just plug and play so we can keep doing, you know. I'd, I'd love for you to meet with any one of our elders and for us to say, where's your passion? What are you interested in? Where do you feel like God has gifted you and graced you? And maybe we can make some observations about what we see in your life so that we're actually trying to move you toward just that place in the body for, you know, we don't, we don't want to make an ear a foot, right? <laughs> you know, we don't want to do that to you. We want you to feel that joy in the Lord and the pleasure of God because you're, you're doing what you were made for. Because, say it with me, you were made for this. Hush up, Billy, and end it. <laughs> oh, Heavenly Father, how beautiful the body of Christ. Lord, thank you for being so committed to us and wanting us to see Jesus so clearly and so regularly that you've given us your holy, you've given us Christ Himself. You've given us your holy word and you've given us the bride of Christ, the body of Christ so that we could regularly behold Jesus and the more we can behold Jesus, the more we'll become like Jesus. God, would you help us grow in meaningful membership, meaningful connections to a local body of believers so we can meaningfully mature in Christ-like character and mission.
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.